Welcome to the Stargate Archives, buried deep within Cheyenne Mountain. Welcome to a new episode of the Stargate Archives. And this week on Stargate Theatre, we are looking at the 2008 TV movie Loch Ness Terror, a.k.a. Beyond Loch Ness. This movie premiered in the USA January the 5th, 2008, Canada July the 9th, and Italy January the 26th, 2010. Directed by Paul Ziller, he's worked on Beverly Hills Wedding, Ruby Herring Mysteries, Ghost Storm, Icequake, and he directed the Stargate Atlantis episode The Real World. Paul Zilla, a name I've already mentioned. The writers, Andrew Sands, came up with the story, and Paul Zilla and Jason Baruch wrote the screenplay. Jason, another name, alongside Paul, the pair of them have a huge resume when it comes to the sci-fi B-movies, as well as moving on more recent years to Hallmark and I think Lifetime-style movies. You could say they went mainstream. Rotten Tomatoes. Alas, no critic score, but 12% audience score. Ah, don't half pick them. <laughs> the music for this movie, Pinar Toprak, again, a name I've mentioned before. She composed the music for Captain Marvel and more recently Stargirl. Quite amazing that an award-winning composer, you know, made their mark in the B-movie scene. The main star of Loch Ness Terror is Brian Krause. He's probably best known for being on Charmed. He's also been in Sleepwalkers, Castle and the more recent Cypher. And of course there are many, many Stargate actors, including Niall Matter, Don S. Davis, Carrie Genzel, Neil Dennis, Paul McGillian and David Lewis. So we've got lots to look forward to. If you haven't seen the movie yet, why not go and get a copy? And you never know, you might love it. Okay then folks, Loch Ness Terror. Opening credits, Cinetel Films, great music. Quite interesting looking title sequence. It looks like we're on the surface of the lock. Lots of bubbles, lots of wash, and the names of the actors emerging from the water. We get the first opening, a sonar screen, and we see David Lewis, who played Cameron Polinski in Stargate SG-1, in episodes Mobius Part 1 and Heroes Part 1. He's recently been in Unspeakable, and is a regular in the Mystery 101 Hallmark series of movies. Got a very pronounced Scottish accent, which is reasonable considering this is 1976 and we're in Loch Ness. He is talking to Dr. Murphy, who's currently about 200 feet under the water. I recognise that voice, Paul McGillian, doing his best Scottish accent. Of course, he was born in Scotland before moving to Canada. Paul has been in the Netflix series Firefly Lane. For that, Sanctuary, The Flash, Pitch Perfect Mysteries. And of course, Carson Beckett on Atlantis. One of the favoured characters in Stargate fandom. We hear that he's found something. Sonar indicates there's a passageway, at least 450 metres long. And within that passageway, he's found a very large egg. Okay, <laughs> a large egg. And he brings it up, which is never going to be a very good thing. They measure the egg, 14.1 decimetres. What the hell's a decimetre? I was raised on metric, but I've never actually heard the phrase decimeter. Quick Google, hmm, tenth of a meter. Well, that does make sense, but that's a funny way to say it. Credit to Paul McGillian, though. 
He's got his wetsuit on. He's looking rugged and manly. <laughs> he identifies the egg as perhaps being Plesiosauria. I guess that means dinosaur. A variant of something that's long since extinct. Meanwhile, we hear the sonar reacting to something and we get a point of view shot. Something's approaching the shore of the lake. The lock, sorry. Whatever it is, it bursts through the water, lots of bubbles. Long neck reaches into the sky, blocks out the sun. The two scientists, the boy and his dad, look up in awe and terror. Pretty scary. Something that doesn't exist, huh, Jimmy? And Dr. Murphy makes the right call, puts the egg back into the water. We see it slowly drift away and then submerge, obviously as Nessie is taking it back. This doesn't last long, because suddenly Nessie's back. Everybody scatters, she takes one of the scientists, always sees his legs hanging out of her mouth. Yummy, yummy. The other scientist, played by David Lewis, gets to the car, then realises no cockies. Fortunately for him, the lower torso of the dead guy falls out Nessie's mouth, lands nearby, and there's the keys on his belt. He runs out, grabs the keys, unfortunately Nessie smacks him one. And I think Nessie's got a grudge to pick with Dr Murphy. While his son's hiding under the car, we see Murphy slam into the ground. Dazed look on his face, blood pouring out his mouth. And then he's dragged, screaming, off camera. And I'll say this, maybe for the first time, this is very good CGI for a monster. Granted, we don't see a lot of it, because it's so big, it more than fills the screen. We see the torso, or the head, or the neck. But it looks good. And the interaction is pretty good as well. Anyway, it looks like we've done here in 1976 as we fade to black and jump forward. Probably to present time when the young Murphy boy is all grown up. Yep, present day. Whenever that is. Lake Superior. We meet Sheriff Riley, played by Harry Genzel. She was in Stargate SG-1, Desperate Measures. She's been in IV Mistletoe and Supernatural. She's talking to Sean, played by Donnelly Rhodes. Donnelly passed back in 2008. You will either know him from Battlestar Galactica as Dog Cottle, or way back when as Dutch in Soap. He's chopping up a cow on his dining room table, or a carcass anyway, and going on about something's alive in his lake. The sheriff points out that before you were obsessed with local cow, you thought had been scanned <laughs> by aliens, and it only had an ear infection. He's on some sort of medication, which he's not taking, but this is a character you assume is all through the film is going on about something existing and is proven right eventually. We jump to a dock, the usual bait shop, fuel station. There's a speedboat just pulled up, three teenagers on it. One of them we definitely recognise as Neil Dennis. The other two teens, Brody and Zoe. Zoe's pretty, seems to have a relationship with Josh, Niall Matter, from Stargate. But of course we take an instant dislike to Brody, who's the rich boy, it's his boat. Josh probably goes to school with him, he has to work for a living. He's also the sheriff's son. The filmmakers certainly make sure we do not like Brody. So we can cheer when he finally gets eaten, because he will do. Right then, Niall Matter played Lieutenant Kent in Stargate Atlantis. He's also on Eureka and Primeval New World. Currently he's a regular on the Aurora Tea Garden Mysteries. Fine actor. Really like his work. And I'll save Neil until we see him a bit later. But the movie's doing well. It's setting out the characters, introducing us to them, learning uh, who they are, what they are. It's all about setup. That's when you start killing them, it matters. We're back at the boat rental place on the docks. 
Tall guy walks in, duster and a hat. Western style music is playing. Very Clint Eastwoody. That's James, of course. Pretty much guess that. Especially when he starts talking. Brian Krause is playing James, all grown up. Made his name, I think, in Charmed, but also in Sleepwalkers, Castle, and in the recent Roku production, Cypher. He's a cryptozoologist, which Josh is very impressed with. And it's worth noting, Niall looks bloody young in this. <laughs> oh dear. James rents a boat for the next day, wants to go out on the lake. We cut to Sean. He's uh, going down to the docks with a wheelbarrow full of uh, meat, starts chumming the lake. He's after something. And then we cut to the sheriff's office. Josh walks in and says hello to Neil, who's sitting at a desk. Neil is played by Don S. Davis. He was General Hammond in Stargate SG-1, Atlantis and Continuum. Twin Peaks, I, The Wyvern, which I talked about a few weeks ago. A fine actor who passed away a few years ago. Josh sits at his mother's desk, puts his feet up. As we've seen, he gets a bit of ribbing about his mother being the sheriff. Doesn't seem to be handling it too well. But in she walks, tells him she's been to see his uncle Sean. He's having one of his little episodes again. Josh suggests moving him into the family home. He's quite happy to let him have his bedroom. So Josh is a good lad. He tells her that he's taking the boat out, going to get paid $40 an hour. Tourist season. Things are looking up. Or are they? We see Uncle Sean back at the dock where he's been chumming the water. And we see some of the uh, meat disappearing. He's excited. And all of a sudden a huge rush of water. And out from the depths, something's coming. He turns his back and we see Nessie slowly rise from the water. He turns around, terrified. Its head crest extends, its creatures, and it goes for him. <laughs> he, did, he, he does take a picture, I'll give him that. He reacts well under pressure. And quite frankly, it looks like it's eaten the camera. But we also see it's eaten his forearms as well. <laughs> so, ouch. It then proceeds to finish the job by taking him halfway down its throat, lifting it up, shaking it, and we see his body parts fall into the water. Well, good old Uncle Sean. No worries about taking his medication anymore. It's the next day. Rich boy Brody is readying his boat. He's with his mate, Chad, played by Neil Dennis. Ryak from Stargate SG-1. X-Files, Goosebumps. This was the last professional acting job he had. Zoe arrives with a friend. She introduces her as Carolina. I'm looking at Carolina and thinking, I know that face. Sorindus One. You might recognise the face and not know the name. I first saw her in Smallville. She's also been in Inhumans. And is currently in the Canadian series Coroner. Excellent actress. Very, very young in this movie. It seems that she's playing an exchange student. Probably from... The Scandinavian region, not quite sure, she didn't actually confirm it at this point. Zoe goes into the store, gets some bug repellent. Josh is there. Turns out that there used to be a couple, and he broke it off. Interesting. She forgets the keys, he goes out to give them to her. Brody, being the dick he is, sets himself in between them. Demands that he give him the keys. The two of them end up fighting, struggling. Bit embarrassing, really. Teenage boys and all that. At this point, James turns up. Same hat, same duster, stub of a cigar in his mouth, deep gravelly voice. <laughs> and definitely Eastwood vibes. Totally, totally cowers Brody. 
The pair of them separate, Jean's in the boat, they depart, and James gets Josh to load his boat. He's on the clock. We see another part of the lake, a lone fisherman. He strikes it good. He captures Nessie. And she eats him. <laughs> Josh is out with James on his boat. Sonar equipment looking for something. His uh, instruments indicate it's definitely a tunnel, just like his dad found. Maybe this is where Nessie makes her home. I'm calling it Nessie, of course. It's not the same beast, surely. You would have thought so, or is it? Hmm. James dons his scuba gear and heads down below the surface to explore the tunnel. Meanwhile, the sheriff pulls up at the beach. Deputy Neil is waiting for her. He has some very bad news. Fisherman caught some human remains on his line. Karen, the remains, it looks like Sean. Sean. I'm sorry. Poor old Sean. Pretty much just his upper torso and his head, limbs, Oh, credit to the makeup department though. He looks spectacularly dead. On the lake, Josh and James have an interesting day. Later that evening, they're bonding over the meal. We have a bit of background on Josh. His father passed away three years ago. James tells him about his father. No specific details, only that he lost him when he was 12. It might be a good idea for James to actually reveal the reason he's at Lake Superior. It might very well save some people's lives. Such as the woman that just returns home from a shopping trip, getting the bags out of the trunk of her Volvo. When she hears a dog in the distance, go quiet. Then we see the trees moving, and tops of the trees even. You get this Godzilla vibe. Anyhow, Nessie comes bursting through. The woman runs into her car. Nessie smashes open the window. Not quite sure how she gets her head into the car. The scale's not quite right, but... One more death to add to the total. We're back to the sheriff's office. Josh finally returns after his day working with James to find out about his uncle Sean. Naturally, he doesn't take it too well. She tells him he drowned, but then reveals that there's probably a predator in the lake and they're awaiting test results. So he's got to kind of keep things quiet for now. But he does tell her about the sonar contact he had on the boat with James. It's a phone call about Neil's sister. So the woman who died is... Oh dear. The movie then jumps to the teens on the beach of Pike Island, a deserted island in the lake. Chad and Carolina are getting to know each other. I assume Zoe and, and Jerkface are doing the same, but obviously know each other quite well already. In fact, he's making his move. He's getting Chad to take Carolina for a walk, so both couples can be alone. Oh, it wouldn't be a B-monster movie if teenagers weren't getting killed while attempting or having sex. Come on, we all know it's really bad for you if you're in this sort of situation. <laughs> the sheriff pulls up next to Neil's patrol car. They're at the scene of his sister's disappearance. Her Volvo is covered in blood. The door's been ripped off. Huge teeth marks in it. Purse is still there. Very, very strange. Neil has an idea, though. What could have done this? Only one creature I know could do that. An alligator. An alligator can rip a car door off? Yeah. I saw it on the news. Down in Florida, they got alligators tearing off car bumpers. <laughs> Only in Florida, folks. Only in Florida. Back at the camp, Brody is copping a feel of Zoe. While she's asleep, she'd smack you, man. I was 
Yes, a really wonderful, wonderful young man. Come on, Nessie, do us all a favour. Chad and Carolina are uh, enjoying the atmosphere underneath the stars. And we get some point of view shots from, let's assume it's Nessie. It looks like Brodies are going to be the first team to get chomped on. More's the pity. I've got to admire Nessie, though. Gets within a few metres of her victim, and they don't see your hero. This is a bloody crap big dinosaur. Carolina, she gets bit. Her head clean off. Gone. Dead. This was Serinda Swan's fourth professional acting gig. She did go on to bigger and better things. <laughs> Sheriff Karen pays a visit to James's trailer. She sees maps of the lake, including a notation of Sean. She asks about him, says he intends to get in touch with him, but uh, hadn't been able to make contact. And that's when she tells him he's dead, killed by something from the lake. And she wants to know what they saw on the sonar. Was it an alligator? Was it something else? James mentions a plesiosaur. The sheriff, of course, is sceptical. But the evidence is mounting up. And they've yet to hear about Carolina, the exchange student, being et. Zoe, Brody and Chad are searching for her. They've seen the bloody trail. Then they hear the noise, heavy breathing, the sound of Nessie. And they make a run for the boat. Unfortunately, they get uh, intercepted. Chad is mesmerised by the monster. Zoe reacts, tries to distract him. And Chad does a runner, climbs into an old rotted out tree trunk. Chad actually does something rather brave by throwing a stone at Nessie. She turns, goes after him. She gets him as well. And I'm cheering. I'm thinking, yes, kill the sod. He's a nasty piece of work. He will grow up to be an even nastier piece of work. Unfortunately, Chad, not to be outdone, uses his kind of firecrackers to distract Nessie even more. He draws her attention onto him. This time, the tree trunk doesn't save him. She picks it up, shakes it. And when he falls out, she gobbles him up. Oh well. <laughs> Countless bloody teenage deaths are very welcome in a monster movie, but you really want the right teenager to die. But give us time. The next morning, James is back at the dock as Josh prepares the boat. He's ignoring the request by the sheriff not to go out with her son. There'll be trouble there. As it turns out, it doesn't take them long to get into trouble. They hear on the radio that Bill Maxwell has found some sort of sea creature washed up on the shore. They make a beeline for it over the lake. They get there just before Deputy Neil does. James rushes out, grabs a sample, i.e. the head of the creature, and does a runner. Obviously, they are easily spotted and identified. Oh, his mother isn't pleased. James does an examination of the creature, identifies it as a one-month-old plesiosaur. The plesiosaur normally is ocean-going creature, lays its eggs in landlocked lakes via underground tunnels. Josh is not very happy that James is here to hunt down these creatures, but as James points out, they are killers. Your little lake that you love so dearly is about to become a feeding ground for a race of carnivorous prehistoric reptiles. Is that what you want, kid? Well, that kind of puts it into perspective. It's at this point the sheriff and a deputy turn up and arrest James. They drive away, Josh goes into his bait shop, grabs a revolver, and takes off for Pike Island. Back at the station, the sheriff shows James a DNA report from Sean. No known creature. This is making her believe James, and she releases him. He takes him to his truck, plays him an audio recording that his father made at Loch Ness, a recording of the creature, and demonstrates the weaponry he's got, advanced sonar gun, 
that could disrupt the uh, creature's cells whilst underwater. Very large caliber 338 Magnum hunting rifle with infrared scope and cyanide tip bullets. And an EMP gun, which is portable microwave emitter. Given the opportunity, he can kill Nessie. Given the opportunity. <laughs> Josh makes it to Pike Island. He goes ashore. Doesn't notice the baby plesiosaur that's following him. We hear some munching and scrunching sounds. He rounds old tree stump and there's the remains of Chad. Slowly but surely being eaten by a couple of the dinosaurs. Josh realises he's trapped and makes room for it back to his boat. And there's one on his boat as well. And I do like this. Again, credit, CGI for this is pretty good. But the one on the boat is a mixture of CGI and hand puppets. I swear to God that is hand puppets. But it works. It works bloody brilliantly. <laughs> He's fighting it off with an oar. <laughs> oh dear. This is, this is actually pretty good. He gets himself surrounded by five of them. It looks like this is the end for Josh. Until Zoe turns up, starts throwing rocks at the creatures, distracting them enough so that he can make a run for it. Not sure where Brody is. Hopefully he's dead. But I don't think we're going to be that lucky. Oh, I do like the way the plesiosaurs waddle when they're walking. At least the baby ones. They look so cute. They keep running until they come to a tree. There's Brody. Josh gives Zoe a hand up. One of the plesiosaurs grabs his boot and hangs on for dear life. He finally gets free. And, well, you've all seen it in movies. You know, mostly it's dogs or bears or something are just patiently waiting for the prey to come down from the tree. But this is where Josh remembers what James told him. Their sense organs are very much like sharks. They detect the electrical energy and muscle movement. So don't move. Slow down your breathing. Relax. Calm down. And that's what they do. And the plesiosaurs slowly but surely lose interest and wander away. Nice one, Josh. We're back at the dock. The sheriff and the deputy are helping James to load his boat. They're going a-hunting. What exactly is this thing we're looking for? 40-foot plesiosaur. It's a carnivore. Bone-crushing jaws, razor-sharp teeth. Eat anything smaller than itself. Oh my. Karen, Neil and James are in the boat, tracking Nessie via sonar. She surfaces for a brief moment. James gets a couple of shots off with his EMP gun. But to that's no effect. She gets away. Josh has left the two other teens making a dash for the boat, which has slipped its moorings and is now probably about 30 yards from the beach. He makes it unmolested to the boat, only to find that most of the wiring has been ripped apart by one of the baby creatures. He fires a flare, which thankfully is seen by his mother. Nessie once again emerges from a subterranean passage. Always got to praise the production. The location shooting of the boat on the water, very proficient. Looks good. You know it's real. This isn't green screen. This is three actors on a boat being shadowed by a camera boat. Just makes everything look more professional. Again, CGI, pretty good as well. We're not seeing the creature in full daylight at the moment. We're seeing it uh, underwater. Water, CGI water. That's difficult to do. Even today, the big budget productions are only just perfecting it. Give them a lot of leeway on that. But it does make all the difference on this sort of movie. Decent CGI. They begin to ramp up the tension again as the two boats converge. Mother and son exchange words. Sonar picks up Nessie coming in fast. Josh preps himself to leap from the boat onto his mother's boat. But just as he's about to, Nessie bumps it and he falls into the water, slamming his head against the hull of the other boat. He lies face down, spread eagled in the water. His mother jumps into the water after him. 
while James takes out his sonar weapon and fires on Nessie, drawing her attention away from the boy and his mother. Brief, fast-paced bit of action. Worked very well. <laughs> Love it. Oh, my patience is being rewarded. I think this is where Brody gets it. He managed to upset Joey by criticising Josh, the guy who helped save his life. Brody wakes up all alone in one of the outhouses. He leaves the building. sees Zoe kneeling on the floor in the middle of the compound, not moving. He draws attention to himself, and we see two, three, maybe four baby plesiosaurs. And of course, Brody being Brody can't stand still. He starts to panic. He draws more attention to himself. Get him! Get him! <laughs> and he's down. And they go to town. Munch, 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 munch. Again, a combination of CGI for the long shots and animatronics puppets for the close engine work. And it does work very well. Goodbye, Brody. You won't be missed. The four would-be rescuers are now well-armed and well-in-country. Neil, James, Josh and Karen are on the way to find Zoe. And at this point, Brody, they don't know he's been et. There's rustling in the bushes. Everyone except James goes mad with the weapons and they kill what looks like some sort of fox. Then they see Plesiosaur Youngling coming towards them. James takes his rifle out, one shot through the head and kills it. Only problem with the animatronic puppet type creature, it's a different colour to the CGI. If they'd have got that right, bridged the gap a little bit better, it would have looked spectacularly good on this budget. We're back at the camp. <laughs> Brody is Smogsborg and Nessie appears. Mama's here. This is surreal. Living, breathing dinosaurs in Ashburn. They're looking down at the camp from the ridgeline. They see five younglings and Nessie. There's Zoe, just to one side. Don't move, girl, don't move. <laughs> Unfortunately, what's helping her survive? The magnetite outcroppings that the mine was there for, confusing the sensors of the dinosaurs, also disrupting the tracking and targeting systems of James' weapons. You're going to have to rely on good old-fashioned firearms. The sheriff has a great idea. Use the recording of Nessie to draw her away. And that's just what they do. James and Neil go off to the outskirts of the camp where the effects of the magnetite are much less. They set up their equipment, start playing the recording, the tracking and targeting systems come online, and they patiently wait as the youngsters and Nessie are drawn towards the cries, leaving Zoe free to escape. Much to Neil's surprise, <laughs> James ain't going anywhere. Nessie's coming towards them, so he's going to be waiting for her. And Neil's got to, <laughs> got to provide some cover for him. But he's going to hold his ground. He's no coward. Zoe makes a move for it a little bit too soon. Nessie catches the movement, turns, and he's just about to chop her head off. This is where, if this was a 1930s serial, tune in next week, folks. But nope, Nessie doesn't bite. And James appears, carrying one of the eggs. Where the hell did he come from? We haven't had time for him to realise that Nessie was coming back and for him to sprint from the other side of the pompan to grab one of the eggs. Yeah, I don't think this makes any sense. James has certainly got Nessie's attention. He draws her away from Zoe, who manages to escape. Neil is using the sniper rifle to take out the younglings, doing a rather good job of it. I don't know if this was the plan or not, but Josh is now running after Nessie with his 9mm firing crazy, putting himself in danger just to perhaps save James. Brave, but maybe foolish. Neil continues to fire on the youngling. He runs out of bullets, though, which confirms the fact that 
He is not really a marksman. One bullet, one kill with this sort of weapon. While he's trying to reload, one of the younglings creeps up on him. He turns terror across his face and it nuts him. <laughs> it doesn't bite him. It just slams its head into his. And he falls, rolls down the ridge. And at the bottom is another one waiting for him. Poor old Neil. God bless you. Josh is fleeing for his life. Nessie close behind. James gets behind her, fires his AMP weapon into her, starts to cook her. There's a microwave energy pours into her. But no, no, the weapon conks out. No good. One of the creatures sees Zoe and Karen, head for them. And James starts loading up a huge bloody syringe with cyanide. Same sort of chemical he uses in his bullets. It's all go now. Zoe spots the creature. Karen flips round. Shotgun straight into the head of the creature, another two into its torso, downs it. Excellent shooting. Under pressure as well. That's a sheriff for you. Nessie is obsessed with Josh. She doesn't see James creeping up on her with the syringe of poison. At the last second though, her tail flips out, probably by accident. Hits him full on, knocks him down. He drops a syringe. Karen sees her son desperately fighting for his life. She sees the syringe and she grabs it. Josh has got himself backed into a corner, some sort of storage container, lots of magnetite lying around. Karen having a lot of trouble getting close to Nessie. James finally recovers, takes the syringe off her, waits a moment, pauses, jams the syringe into the already wounded rear hide and pumps the poison into her. But it's taking time. The last two of the younglings are on the way and when all the poison is in, he yells at Josh to get out of there, lights his lighter, Throws it into the magnetite, which explodes in a ball of fire. Didn't know it could do that, but what the hell? <laughs> I'm no geologist. And as the two younglings come to her aid, the rest of the magnetite explodes in a huge explosion, which engulfs the last three of the creatures. Yay! Humanity wins again. Pity though, these may be the last of their kind. A scientific marvel to be investigated. Uh, yes, but I suppose humans being humans will put them on display. Illegal breeding programs, they'd get out, they would flourish in the environment, they'd cause untold destruction. We know how it works. It's probably best if humanity and this sort of creature didn't coexist for very long. The four survivors, Zoe, James, Josh and Karen, and look upon the burning remnants. Well, what now? Well, Zoe and Josh start making out before his mother interrupts them. James, you're going after Bigfoot? Nah, I'm going to settle down in a small town. Gives the Karen one of those looks. Not quite sure where that came from. Maybe a version of the script had some sort of romance between those pair. We don't know, but this is where the film ends. The danger has been handled. There are a few survivors. The police report's going to be bloody interesting. But at least they have got evidence that these monsters existed. So, all's well that ends well. That was Loch Ness Terror. Now, that was a good movie. That was a good movie by $150 million budget category. The CGI for what it was was pretty good. The use of animatronics and puppets worked very well. Good acting, reasonable script, good locations, some very good filming. Overall, a good movie. I bought this movie on Region 2 DVD a while back. There's a very good behind-the-scenes featurette included as well. Some interviews with the cast and crew. Well worth watching if you get a chance. And overall, I've got to recommend this movie. This has probably been one of the best that I've looked at under the Stargate Theatre banner. It's well made, it's entertaining, nothing really particularly bad about it. 
and making a small allowances for the budget. Yeah, very good. Once again, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. I hope you do watch the movie. I think you'll enjoy it. If you want to get in touch with us for any reason, but most particularly if you want to join me on the podcast, I'm interested in talking about Stargate. Pick an episode of any of the live action series and we'll have a chat over Skype. We can easily fill an hour for any episode of, of the franchise. Or if you've got a B-movie that features Stargate actors, you want to talk about that, we'll arrange that as well. You can get in touch, stargatearchives at gmail.com. Stargatearchives.com is the main website. We are, of course, on Facebook and Tumblr. You can find us on Twitter, at TheGateCast, which is one word. We are carried on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Ditcher, Podbay, TuneIn, and we have RSS feeds that you can copy and manually paste into your favourite podcatcher. Ratings and reviews is always welcome. Support on social media, always appreciated. Up next, well, if you've been listening to these, you know that I really don't make plans more than a week ahead. I'm not quite sure. I've got a few DVDs I've dug out of my collection. Got to go through just to make sure that there's enough interest there for a Stargate fan. No decision as of yet. So, thank you very much for listening. Keep watching Stargate. Keep supporting Stargate on social media and everywhere. If you've seen the new HD Masters, let us know what they're like. I have yet to buy them, mainly because I've got the DVDs and some HD versions on my server. And of course, it's not actually generally available in the UK at present. Okay then, until next time, I've been Mike. Take care. Bye-bye.